Welcome to another episode of the Chairsofter Show, your weekly airsoft podcast featuring interviews with other airsofters, manufacturers, retailers and generally finding out what's going on in the airsoft world. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode, episode number 30. Joining me tonight I have Taig from Kydex Customs. Good evening, Craig, uh, Taig. Craig. Oh, <laughs> how could you? I'm, I'm doing good, mate. How are you? I'm oh, not bad, thank you. Apologies for the uh, uh, faux pas. I literally just said your name and then it turned, I know. changed to it's Craig. A, it's a daily basis. <laughs> I get things in the post, like official documents addressed to Craig. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of the, the hassle of having a weird name. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I've seen some that are um, much more obscure and like I genuinely can't believe that there's some people's names sometimes. I sat in, I sat in a, a literally got to a meeting the other day, and uh, he was like, "Sorry, mate, how do I say your name?" I was like, um, <laughs> "It's like Craig, but with a T." <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I thought it was. That's not. That's not what you thought it was. <laughs> oh dear, I can imagine. I can imagine it's chaotic. So um, we've got you on tonight to talk about your business venture, Kydex Customs. Uh, we'll move on to that shortly, um, so you can explain more about what it is and how it came to be. But let's start the story at the beginning. Let's go right back to when you began Airsoft and how you got into Airsoft. So um, it's a bit odd. So uh, to, to begin me starting Airsoft, I have to begin with me starting playing paintball. Uh, which, which is a bit of a boo hiss moment, but um, briefly, I uh, I used to play for a uh, a speedball team when I was like fourteen. I All was right. like the, the youngest bloke on the team by like ten years, <laughs> and it was like a site that was like twenty minutes from where I used to live, and oh, yeah. uh, I kind of really got into the competitive side of things and really enjoyed sort of the war sports. And I'd, I'd always kind of I'd always known what airsoft was, but there was at that point in time. As far as I knew, there were no sites near me, and kind of, for whatever reason, I couldn't afford any of any airsoft kit because it all seemed so expensive at the time and and stuff like that. And this was kind of, I, I remember, I was, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I, I remember basically being sat on my computer discovering airsoft. And it was a Scout the Doggy video. Oh right, yeah. And um, it was one of those really really early ones. And I remember sitting there as a young a young man. And, uh, and and basically trying to work out what the rules were, <laughs> and kind of like, <laughs> what is this weird sport? Why are there these like, why are there loads of blokes in the field shooting each other? Like, how does any of this work? Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of it kind of went from there. I'd always known it what what it was, and uh, and then obviously I played play paintball, and then I stopped stopped playing that for whatever reason. And sort of didn't really do anything else of it. I always had those sort of, you know, you get those like twenty quid Springer pistols and stuff like that. And yeah, the ones you used to be able to buy at the little junk shop in the town. Kind yeah, of thing. St- stuff like that, like uh, kind of like markets on a Sunday. And so I had yeah, like a, yeah. a double eagle, uh, like off-brand M870 sort of Springer shotgun. It wasn't even a tri shot. It was just <laughs> like, it was effectively a pump-action sniper rifle. But, um, <laughs> I kind of I had that and. And then from there, it sort of there was a big hiatus of um, kind of for me. It was went down the PC gaming route, and I used to play competitively doing Team Fortress Two and Counter Strike, and all of that was a very odd time of life while I was meant to be doing stuff for school. But it yeah. kind of it, it we I, I can't even remember how I came across it. I think I must have joined like UCAC or something like that. Right. And I thought I kind of had it. I just finished. I just left one of my first jobs. 
and I was like 15 or something like that probably about 15 and I obviously I'd found that I'd had a lot of spare cash and I just quit this job so I had a lot more spare time and I went let's see what's around it for airsoft wise and it ended up kind of basically trying to rally and get as many of my mates into it as possible and <laughs> uh, as I was kind of like the driving force as to why everyone went airsofting it was me and the group chat pestering everyone to come with me and I, obviously I didn't drive at that time so it was like one parent drops you off the other parent picks you up and stuff like that and it's kind of we uh, we basically it, it's sort of gone on from there so I was I must have been about 15 at the time and I've just turned 20 believe it or not I, I know I've kind of looked like an old man but um, <laughs> yeah basically it's sort of for the last five years it, I mean there's been a few hiatuses like I before kind of my most recent games I hadn't played for about six months just because I've been doing other stuff and other stuff's been getting in the way but it's sort of yeah, it, it was basically just sort of playing at, playing at Woodland sites, sort of, and then joining groups and meeting friends, like kind of making friends with people in groups, and then buying more airsoft or airsoft kit, and it, it just spiraled out of control. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's it not does. a problem, but you know. <laughs> and then yeah, kind of when it all started, kind of going coming a bit more regularly, sent would actually have been. It was when I was in college, and it was when, back in the old, back in the day, when old Trolls Lair airsoft became a thing, oh, with the yeah. whole the free Carlo scene. That's <laughs> that's basically when I sort of started meeting all these people, and then I became kind of met with. Uh, it was kind of when I met Carlo. It's where I met kind of lo- like loads of people. I'm still kind of who obviously then introduced me to like Darkwater and John and kind of loads of people like that and it's sort of yeah it's 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 really uh really quite sorry sorry about that um sorry uh we it sort of just it went from then and then i started playing more at the jail and that's kind of became my home site even though it was about an hour and a half away from where i lived and (laughs) yeah it was it was all kind of it's it's just been kind of that thing that I've done and that's been the the case for like nearly five years and obviously from there it kind of went is there ever is there going to be, ever be a way of make, making a career out of this kind of I've done I've had lots of little part-time jobs lots of full-time jobs kind of yeah, yeah. catering industry delivery like being a delivery assistant for stupidly expensive furniture uh, I, I trained to join the Royal Marines for nearly two years uh, and then had a motorcycle accident that got written off, and it was—it's just sort of been like a consistent thing that's always been in the background, and it's always had my attention. Like, it's, if you, whenever I scroll scroll through my Facebook, it's just airsoft, 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 airsoft. Someone I know that that kind of I grew up with, airsoft, 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 airsoft. airsoft. And it kind of is is basically it's it's so easy to come kind of wrapped up in this this whole kind of. Like throw yourself into airsoft and throw yourself into just surrounding yourself with that's all you know. It's it sort of takes over your life, doesn't it? In a way, just it, the whole airsoft thing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the fun thing about it is you can let it do that, or if you just want to be one of those people that kind of goes occasionally, it's, you can do that as well. You don't have to throw all this money into it. You don't have to. Don't have to kind of constantly be buying things, but if you want to, you can. 
yeah. it's kind of similar to a lot of hobbies, but it's it's yeah, yeah it's, and it's, it's, it's like you've got you've got the initial setup cost, but then to continue playing compared yeah. to say paintball, it's relatively oh. cheap. I mean, oh. you think about it, you, you pay you pay what however much for say a hundred paintballs or whatever. I um, and, um I I saw something the other day. It, it, I can't remember what shop it was. But it just came up as like an advert or it was a page I'd liked a few years ago. And uh, it was like, oh, we're now stocking this brand of paint. And I was like, oh, let's have a look how much the, the, like, it either comes in bags of 500 or boxes of 2,000. And yeah. for like a box of 2,000, you're looking at like 50 quid plus yeah, postage. And you, think, and you think you can get 3,000 BBs, which can last you a while. Yeah, it can last you a couple of games. about a tenner. Yeah. I mean, Christ, I don't remember the last time I opened a, a new bottle of BBs. It must have been a few weeks ago when I got my new lot through from the draft club, and since then I've not opened a new bottle just yeah. because I've not needed to. Oh, probably, it was probably about 18 months ago. Someone sold me, it was about 80-something bags of XL 0.23s, <laughs> and I've basically just been <laughs> tearing through them for like yeah. 18 months and I've still got a couple of bags left 2-3 <laughs> that's such an obscure it weight was, the thing is they weren't even white they were like sky blue they were they were, they were, they were very odd odd BBs oh, but they, they weren't triangular of, were they no no they were, they were just kind of they were consistent they were bog standard and that's all I needed for playing yeah. in CQB where you don't have to care about how many rounds you're putting down range and stuff like that it's, uh, it's quite funny yeah, true. So, um, obviously, you discussed making it a career. You obviously decided at some point to make the move into creating a business, which is Kydex Customs. So, what brought that on? What what sort of made you go, right, I'm doing this now? So, it kind of... Obviously, I was playing at the jail. I'm not sure if you've ever played there. A yeah, lot of yeah. it is kind of, it's similar, similar to the mall in the sense that light is, a, light is an aspect that you kind of and light changes and stuff like that which isn't something you've ever really experienced in Woodland unless you're doing kind of big big events that last yeah. kind of 24 hours plus but kind of you can go from being outside to being inside in a building and then you go through a door and there are no windows everything's boarded up it's pitch black and you need a torch yeah and you wave your hand in front of your face and you can't see yeah um and it kind of I was like at the time I was like okay it's fine I'll just chuck a torch on one of my rifles it's fine and it sort of worked but because of the way that the site is it's sort of there's so many kind of like when you're trying to go into a cell you don't want to be maneuver even if it's a really small rifle you don't want to be maneuvering a rifle round in a tiny little cell block yeah quickly, for sure because that's how you snap buffer tubes <laughs> so it was like okay so i just want a holster for, uh, for my pistol with a torch on and i ended up i bought a uh was it a new parole torch um, yeah. And I was like, okay, it's like Glock 17, Wii Glock. Um, kind of, I was like, what I'd imagine to be a pretty standard holster, a uh, pretty standard uh, torch, pretty standard pistol. And then looking for a holster for it, it was like, well, I used what I had a, at the time, I had a Warrior Universal. I was like, oh, it doesn't work with a torch. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's have a look at something else. So, like, okay, so there's other, another Kydex company. Okay, let's have a look at their prices. Okay, that's that's quite expensive. That's as much as I paid for the torch, or as, nearly as much as I paid for the pistol. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, so I thought, okay, let's let's have a look. I don't really want to look into fabric holsters because I'd kind of gone from a 
a retention system. I didn't want to want to have to go to a, a little fun snap sort of pop it thing. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mean, there's this stuff called Kydex. I've always been relatively handy. I kind of I, I always used to make stuff. I used to make props and stuff like that. And when I was kind of in my teenage years, I used to make props for people for like cosplayers and stuff like that. But kind of I know my way around a Dremel basically at the time. Yeah. And I kind of done DIY around the house and like that, and it's I kind of looked at it and I I went, oh, that's kind of cool. See if I can buy any in the UK. Went on eBay and saw it was like, oh, cool. I can get sheets of it, like little A4 sheets for like twenty quid. Like, yeah. okay, let's have a go at that. Ordered some, waited for it to arrive, and uh, had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, basically I did what's, uh, what's called blocking out the pistol or blocking out your mould well you have your, your gun that you want to make a holster for and you basically have to remove all the snag points all of the kind of the points where the whole, the pistol and the light have to go through to get to the where they're going to sit in the holster and it's kind of you have to like it's like uh, blocking space out so the holster doesn't go into the ejection port because otherwise the slide is wider than the ejection port so it's going to drag and tear and ruin your paint job on your pistol and stuff like that yeah. so I, d- I kind of I, d- I didn't do any of that with my first holster just didn't do any of that at all um, when did, made the holster it was absolutely god awful um, yeah. I knew I knew people used, used rivets I couldn't find any of the right kind of rivets in the UK so I ended up using <laughs> uh, they, they were like they were from they were from like eBay and they were, they were basically you know those those circular rings that you get in like really cheap flags oh yeah it was it was like those and they were like 15 mil so i just drilled these massive holes and then i put the rivet in and it was like the rivet wasn't long enough so it wouldn't set properly so then i ended up Ah. having to use like washers and nuts and bolts to make this first holster and it was just dreadful and i I pulled it out of the out of the box the other day because i've just moved and uh, I pulled it out and I just went, what was I thinking? And it was like held together with like super glue and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, it was god awful. But I kind of, I made it and I was proud of myself. It did work. Like for as, as crap as it was, it did work. Uh, and I sort of went, all right, what other, what other guns do I have? Who else do I know that needs a holster? Uh, and I think I, I reached out to, um, to John from Dark War yep. and said, you have you run a, an ASG SBO one kind of can I make your host for it? He was like, yeah, go for it. I was like, okay, I've got one here. I'll make it. I'll send it off to you. So like, okay, and I made it. And I think that's possibly the most difficult ho- pistol to make a host for, like yeah. on the market at the moment. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do it, but it was like an absolute mess that I sent to him. I didn't charge him for it because I was like, it's terrible. I don't ever want like I, I'm ashamed that I sent this to you, basically. <laughs> and it kind of slowly went from there. And I, I discovered uh, there's a kind of obviously in the UK there's no firearm firearms industry. Yeah. In the states, it's a huge industry. Kind of. So, so then I started looking into holster makers for real steel firearms in the states, and I, I was coming across YouTube channels of people, and there's there's a really good. There's a really good series called the Holster Clinic that I found. This is this holster maker. His uh, viewers sent him in stuff that they've made, 
and he critiques it basically. He's not a dick about it. He just kind of goes that you need to work on this, 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 and this. And that like blew my mind. Yeah. I, I kind of it made me start thinking about my stuff critically but constructively. And it was like I think it's well, there's probably about six hours worth of these videos. I basically seshed them out in like a day, <laughs> and I like I learned so much from all of this. And I kind of it's I then I think started making these holsters it was probably november last year right roughly ish yeah. um kind of october november time and then it slowly plodded along and it was taking me i, I timed it once because i had a friend ask me how long it took me to make them and i timed it and total work time from start to finish was like 14 hours bloody hell and I was like, there's no way I could make this into a profitable business. Looking at the guys over in the States, I was like, yeah, they have really expensive tools, really expensive formers, and stuff like that. Like, there's no way I could ever do it. These molds cost like $100 yeah. for like one gun. There's no way I could do this. And then kind of, I basically, up until, so I moved in June-ish. Yeah. So it wasn't too long ago. But between kind of December and June, I basically plodded away. In my in my little at the time, not even a workshop, it was a garage with a workbench and a vice. And I bought a little toaster oven. I bought some kind of a few more bits of uh, bits of Kydex from eBay and I just sort of plodded away in there. And yeah. I made the page thinking, if anything, it's a new hobby I can have. It's kind of it's a new hobby and I can maybe help it pay for itself sort right. of thing something I'm enjoying doing maybe I could like it was never I want to earn money from this there's no chance of help I remember my dad saying oh you could do that for a living like if you get good at it and I remember turning to him being like nah it's not really something you could do kind of full time it takes too long and it's too niche a market and it's, it's like, no, there's, there's no chance I'll be able to do it so I carried on plodding along and kind of had issues and then Basically, all the money I made as profit from anything I made, uh, I mean, I made very little profit. I didn't pay myself anything. Yeah. I basically, any money I made just got reinvested into new equipment. That, yeah, yeah. that was, that's how it happened. It got reinvested into new new guns to mould with, new new Kydex, new tools, new, new this, new that, more malice clips, more screws, different screws, better screws different this better that and it's kind of it, it basically over the course of over the course of a while i kind of slowly built up a, a little bit of a following I, I made kind of deals with friends i was like look i've had a few people message me um about a holster for this pistol i know you have this pistol um if you let me borrow it for a month i'll make your holster for it for free uh, but then i'll also make use it to make 10 other 10 more holsters and then I'll, um, I can kind of sell them and cover my costs and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it kind of just sort of, sort of just went from there. And then kind of the money I made from those holsters then got reinvested into the, the company. And it's it's really quite odd. And it's it's not until very very recently, like we're talking, a cut like a couple of weeks. Obviously, I've moved. Yeah. I, mo I moved uh, from near Cambridge to South Wales now um, 
what, like 200 miles. Yeah, it's a nice short um, trek. I, I kind of, I moved and obviously I've not had a job down here. So I've just kind of, all of my spare time has gone into making holsters and building a workshop and, and stuff like that. And it's kind of, it's it's kept me busy. And I've noticed that since I've done that, I've somehow managed to amass more of a following. And I, I at the time I was getting kind of one message a week and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can, again, all, I, I hadn't made any money from the business and it was just sort of plodding along, plodding along. And then I had, I would go to, an, I went to whatever event it was. Oh, that was it. It was a, I, I made uh, the Carlo Flopperator a holster. Yeah. I made him a holster and he went, him being himself, he went to Earth of Games and blasted him about it. And kind of he then pointed in my direction. And then I kind of, before, oh, this was before the move, there was the, the Midlands Boot Fair. Yeah. And it basically just, I went there, I made, I absolutely turned into a little manufacturer. I made loads of little, uh, loads of holsters, getting ready to, to kind of sell loads at this event. And I think I sold about three holsters. But I met so many people. And I met kind of retailers, and I met, I met um, people that wanted custom stuff, and I met loads of people like that. It was just kind of, it was more, uh, ended up, I went there kind of as a retailer, like I can do this, I can make some pocket money. But then it ended up being, I can kind of, not socialise, but like network. Yeah. And it sort of, it's it sort of kind of, I met people that were like, oh, that's kind of cool, the stuff you're doing. No one's really doing that. It was like, okay, I know that no one, like, there are other companies, but at the price point that I was at at the time, there was no one doing it. And there was no one that was willing to become a supplier for retailers. Yeah. And since the move, I, I kind of, I was like, oh, I can, I can make a bit more money from this. And then I kind of, I would put a bit more effort into advertising in Facebook groups and put a bit more effort into the social media side of things and kind of I'm still absolutely terrible at posting stuff on Instagram it's not really <laughs> something I ever do it's just kind of a, a bit of a, a second thought most of the time but it's it's slowly grown and yeah. I've now been I've been meeting with retailers and I've had kind of meetings with um, what four or five retailers now all of them seem really hyped and really like no one else is willing to do this stuff at wholesale for us. Like, yeah. there's such a gap in the market. They get asked about this stuff once a week by, like, by one person once a week. Well, okay, that doesn't sound like much, but th- that that one sale is just like that one person asking is with nothing on the shelves. So if they were to have sort of, if they were to have stuff on the shelves, how much of that stuff would they sell? Just because. It, it's kind of it's gone from there and I've, I've made kind of item lists and I, I keep on I think at the, where I am at the moment I'm happy with everything I'm making that's good oh. that's good what's the sort of costs to get this all started up then because I, I I can't imagine the materials sort of overly cheap it's I mean there's there's the cost for where I am now and there's the money I've actually spent yeah, right, so, so, <laughs> which is always the way. Yeah, so, so to, sort of getting getting the right kit, as it were. Say, so obviously you've gone through the trial and error. You went into yeah, the sort it's of the blind, making didn't the mistakes. You? Yeah, 
sorry, yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, the material costs of the holsters is... Oh, hello, that's a... Um, there's, there's the material cost, which just make up quite a lot of what I have to sell the holsters for. Yeah. Like, that's plain and simple. You have stuff like attachments, malice clips, belt loops, whatever. Mm. You have the screws, and surprisingly, trying to find the screws in the UK, they're quite specialist. I ended up actually buying my Chicago screws which I use for mounting the holsters to like mounting platforms I, I get them from a bookmaker like right. he just seems to be the only person that can make that can, <laughs> can get them it's so odd but like kind of you're if you're ordering stuff in small quantities it's so expensive and then you have to order you have to save up and you have to buy things in larger quantities and you're kind of you're looking at okay so you want to get some sheets of Kydex well there's at the time I was like there's no suppliers in the UK no one does it in the UK um, I have to order from the States so then I'm ordering stuff from the States and uh, I'm getting hit with import tax I'm getting hit with postage and slowly it's racking up and I'm having to do lots of little orders because I can't afford the import tax on the big orders and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of for the postage on some of the things that I buy but I basically I was using a, a really janky homemade press with like um one of those like foam floor mats. All right, yeah. I was I was using one of those presses and it was like it was it would it worked but it wasn't to the level I wanted. But to get the proper foam, it was it was going to be like seventy eighty dollars from the states plus another sixty dollars shipping plus twenty percent import tax and handling fees. Yeah. So it's kind of it's yeah it's quite odd it's it's yeah, it's really imagine, yeah. it, it's kind of there's there's no real market for me for it in the UK so trying to find a supplier for it I, um, I literally did my biggest order for Kydex about two days ago yeah. and it was it, it's ten sheets it was ten sheets of um, like metre and a half by two and a half metres of sheets in just colours not not camo patterns because that stuff is incredibly expensive but I mean it was it was nearly 1100 quid jeez it's kind of I, I'm now going to the point where I'm like I can you I this is a viable income for me I can run this as a company I can run this as a business okay yeah. what's the next step let's get try and push some big bucks into this but I, I'm try I try quite hard to be transparent with everything I do and transparent with costs and transparent with with my process and I feel like that that has helped quite a lot but kind of there's so much transparency when it comes to uh, how much stuff costs me um, and how much importing stuff costs and I can safely say that if I were to like when I started it was to make a holster for myself I'll save some money and make a holster for myself and I don't think I've saved any money <laughs> doing all of this it's uh, it's it would like if I were to put a figure to get where from, from zero to where I am now, I think I'd probably have spent three, four thousand pounds. Jeez. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but I suppose if you've not got sort of a steady income as such, yeah. then it's, it is a lot of money to be dropping into something. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money to be dropping in if you aren't on a steady income, I suppose, isn't it? It's, well, yeah, it's, that, yeah. That was the thing. It was basically the end of it. I, I, um, at my old job, I used to get paid every other week. And I would 
pay any bills that I had. So like, I had like my phone bill, my car insurance and stuff like that. And then pretty much all of like my tips, all of my, pretty much half of my wage just went into the business. Yeah. And kind of, bear in mind, I could like £3,000 is probably how much you could spend if you knew what the right stuff to buy was. And kind of, I have I've had nearly a year of buying the wrong stuff, <laughs> so it's kind of it's it's really. Uh, I feel like that's with every business. You always you always have to make mistakes to learn from them. Yeah, but exactly. I wish I'd made slightly less expensive mistakes, basically. <laughs> so I mean, short of um, obviously you mentioned the YouTube videos, etc., etc. Is there much more sort of? advice like forums or something out there for people trying to do this specifically from the guys in the states who are obviously because obviously there's a couple more companies starting it up now over here that I've noticed cropping up but obviously the the sort of knowledge base won't be there as such will it so I've I've been lucky enough that um, it's kind of not wanting to be up myself not wanting to do any of that I kind of when I turned up and made a tiny little splash um yeah. it sort of it then rippled out and kind of more people i kind of I, I feel like maybe it was down to me maybe it was just kind of natural progression more like new pro came out with a load of torches people might have had the same situation as i did yeah. but it's sort of it kind of uh there are more there are now more people doing this which is great because it means that there's going to be more of a market I mean, re- like realistically, for me, it's a plus because there's going to be more of a market for this sort of stuff in the UK. Um, it's going to drive costs for supplies down for everyone, <laughs> which yeah. kind of, which might be a good thing. It might not. I don't know. But um, I've I've been lucky enough that I've managed to get in with some of the US guys um, to the point where I would kind of I, I would class quite a few of them as friends and. It's, it, there is a disconnect because there's what they do and then there is one other company in the States that does what I do. Yeah. Everyone else is real steel, concealed carry, inside the waistband, outside the waistband, range stuff, all for like real steel pistols, you know, MP shield, PX4s, like kind of everyone. Every, and then you have kind of your hybrid stuff and just concealed carry alone is a huge market over in the states especially in kind of the, the more gun friendly uh, states like texas and all that stuff there's a million and one whole, like holster companies out in the states and there's only really one company in the states that makes airsoft kit really i mean there's like bravo concealment who has stuff that happens to fit airsoft kit you've safari land who has stuff that sort of happens to fit airsoft kit but there's only Milwaukee Custom Kydex, who's a really good friend of mine now, that makes stuff for airsoft kit, specifically for airsoft kit. Yeah. Kind of specifically using airsoft guns for moulds, pushing stuff that airsofters want, like kind of like uh, pyro clips and stuff for like smoke grenade carriers and stuff like that. And I, I kind of basically just pestered him until uh, until he kind of gave up and would talk to me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, is kind of what happened and then since then any questions I have I go to him and he's made more expensive mistakes than I have so he knows the answer to the question I have <laughs> and it's sort of I, I feel so lucky that he's sort of taken me under his wing 
and compared to his his products and stuff, he kicks out my stuff is trash. But um, it's kind of it's, it's I'm I'm learning and pushing as hard as I can to learn stuff. It's yeah, kind of uh, as for real steel stuff. There's a market for it. There are companies that make molds. There are companies that make tutorials. There are companies that uh, I think there was a company that even ran like an apprenticeship scheme. But for yeah. airsoft, no, it's looked down upon in the firearms community. It's people pretending to be soldiers, people that aren't allowed real guns. It's people that aren't this, that aren't that. Kind of, it's you become a bit of a laughing stock in the firearms yeah. community because you're not shooting real still stuff. It's, it's it's quite an odd niche to have. Whereas if you come into the UK, a lot of a lot of my friends that shoot real still play airsoft on the weekends. Yeah. It's kind of completely different. It's shown in a completely different light, really. It's yeah. it's re- I mean, really is weird. I mean, you say that when when I was out at a shot show, what fucking hell, that's seven months ago, nearly now. Um, it's January, isn't it? Yeah, it was January. So yeah, you're coming up to seven months. Um, you say that, but uh, chatting to a lot of sort of the companies that deal with like accessories and say. Mm custom holsters, custom rails etc etc, yeah. a lot of them are looking at the market going, why aren't we working in airsoft? Yeah that's... So maybe the, maybe the sort of mo- the sort of view of it as such will change moving forwards which is only going to be positive for us because it's more development and more on the market Yeah, that's that's the thing really I mean a big, I feel like a big step of that was kind of the whole thing that ha- that's happened with Elite Force and Glock mm. and that's that's a company that's that's gone from we are suing Tokyo Maru, we're suing we, we're suing KJW. We, we're literally going to sue everyone that makes anything that's remotely like in Glock. Yeah. Uh, to, okay, we'll bring something to our market. We realise that there's a one. I don't know why it took them so long, but it kind of, there, there was that middle ground, or that middle step of um, Glock licensed stuff to Cybergun. And Cybergun yeah. basically got the law enforcement and military personnel contract for making airsoft replicas for Glock, and kind of that was a that was a baby step for Glock, but it was quite a, a big step in airsoft because it kind of it was a bit of industry recognition from the firearms industry yeah. that yeah there is a market here yes there but oh oddly enough there are some advantages to uh, to airsoft as opposed to it just being a bit of a laughing stock it just being kind of kid like you have that stereotypical kind of really overweight 40 year old man playing toy guns or the kids running around with polar stars yeah. the, that that seems to be the the two stereotypes it's one or the other you don't fall into the middle of it at all yeah for sure for sure um so going back to the holsters let's just just walk us through the process of how you go from getting i want this to actually having the finished product so obviously you don't have to give too much away. With oh, the I'm going to give away all, of, all of the industry secrets. <laughs> um, to be fair, it's simple. It's easy to do. It's easy to do, but it's hard to do well. Yeah. Is is the best way I can put it, and without sounding up myself or anything like that. I, I try. If anyone ever, I quite often get people that wanting to start in the industry or start doing it as a hobby or stuff like that come to me and say oh sorry do you mind just answering a couple of questions and and that was me like a year ago 
that that was kind of that that was me when I, I was starting out. I was pestering the big companies in the states, like, what thickness kydex do you guys use? Like, it's stuff that you just don't know where to look for the answers. And pardon me, I'm I try and be as transparent with that sort of stuff because it's the only way that it is a kind of as a viable option. It's going to grow, really. But kind of the way the way it all starts is. For me personally, I don't run a website, I run a Facebook page. Websites, there's too many options, there's too many variables, it takes too long, it's going to be too expensive. And if anyone asks me a question, it would take me too long to reply to. I, I'm happy with running the Facebook page where I can just, my phone buzzes, I can just shoot a text back to them, and then it goes from there. But basically it's, I want a holster, can you make me a holster, <laughs> is, is, is the usual question that I yeah. get. And it's they fall into two categories. Obviously, ex ignoring accessories and mag carry and inserts and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's kind of something I'm only dipping my toes into at the moment. But there's basically, does it have a, is it unique? Does it have a torch? Or is it a bog standard holster? And I'll be honest with you, the bog standard holsters are a piece of cheese to make. They're so easy that at this point in time, I end up I can do them with my eyes closed. They're they're so easy and there's two ways of making holsters so you have the cheap way which everyone does um which a lot of people start out with it's what i started out with and that's called um with, uh, you're using a foam press you're you're putting the holster in the mold or you put the kydex in the mold sorry into a foam press and what you do is effectively heat up the kydex to whatever temperature you want to heat it up to you then wrap it around your mold gun and you then effectively clamp it in between two bits of wood with two bits of foam on yep. so one bit of foam one bit of wood underneath one bit of foam one bit of wood on top and you clamp it um and then do so basically do clamps up that's that's basically what you do and then the, the pressure that you can exert from the clamps um pushes the kydex into the mold that's how you get your kind of your negative impression that's how you get kind of the gap in between the folded buckets is right. the general gist of it and then you kind of just go into the niceties of drilling holes and sanding or yeah. drilling holes and storing stuff and how you attach stuff and bits and bobs like that basically um it's that side of it isn't isn't difficult and that's that's what i started out doing that's the the stuff that i thought you know what, i'll get that right before i start taking on the tricky thing um and then you have that's for the foam press so now you have what i've moved into more which for me it's it is an incredibly expensive startup uh which is yeah. with a vacuum former if you ever i'm not sure if this is ever something you did at school it's definitely something that kind of my generation's done yeah i vaguely remember them having one that i used they only really wheeled it out on the um on like the induction yeah, when when you had the year sixes going around looking at all the schools and they yeah, used to yeah, yeah, wheel yeah. it out and you'd get an impression of the school crest and that'd be yeah. like the last time you saw it until the next opening. Yeah. So so basically, so that's the one that the most people have. It has like a like a tote, effectively like a toaster um, heating elements along the top. It pulls out and it heats up some like um, some polystyrene sheet, and then you pull vacuum. And then lift the mold up into the heated up sheet, and that's what's called, effectively, that's membraneless vacuum forming, and it's mm. the way that it's done in the industry, pretty much for most things that are vacuum formed. I've seen um, membraneless vacuum formers that 
basically form half of a caravan and stuff like that. Yeah. There's it's it's the most efficient way of doing it, uh, and because you don't have what's called a membrane, which is effectively just a big thin sheet of silicon or silicon composite to help it deal with the heat and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What happens with membrane um, membrane forming is you pull vacuum, the vacuum then pulls the membrane onto the mold over the kydex, or over the kydex that's on top of the mold, pulls it all down, and then it kind of you leave it to cool basically. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's for me that's what I've moved into because it's more consistent, it's repeatable, it's quicker. I can do different things with it basically. Yeah. Um, with, you can do what are called obviously two-part holsters, which are ten, which or pancake holsters, which are what most people do for light-bearing holsters, so holsters with a pistol and a torch, um, where you basically do the bottom half, press it, heat up another piece, put it over the top, press it, and it's basically like a 50-50 pancake, like a sandwich sort of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas with membrane or vacuum forming in general, you can have like a 90-10 holster, so the bottom half only makes up 10% of the holster, and then you have the top half, the top piece of Kydex makes up 90% of the holster. Right. And you can then move into vacuuming jigs, trimming jigs, split moulds, where the mould is cut in half and then laid out like a butterfly, and then you heat up the middle and then put clamp it together, basically. Right. Um, it's something that I personally don't do because it's a lot of startup cost again. The moulds are incredibly expensive, and I'd have to make the moulds myself because no one makes moulds for us off stuff. So it's a very similar process to what they do with, say, carbon fibre mouldings then in the uh, industry. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Just obviously kind of, there's much more pressure and temperature yeah, involved yeah, with it. Yeah, basically. Like, um, so it's kind of some numbers is my Kydex comes out at about 160 degrees. Right. Um, I kind of, I don't measure it anymore because I've got my, my heating station set up. It's consistent. It does it the same thing every time. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into my vacuum former and then it's pulled uh, vacuum's pulled and it comes out like the, basically the what's called negative atmosphere inside so it's not that it's pulling a vacuum and pulling it in, it's that it's reducing the air so the atmosphere in the world is pushing down um, but it's pushing down a force of minus 80 inches of mercury right? which is enough to kind of suck your skin off your fingers which is quite scary <laughs> but it's it's a very similar process to to that sort of thing, and it's kind of it's a very similar process to that that vacuum former you saw at your school evening. It's just yeah. a different material and a different way of thinking about stuff, because obviously the um, something's going to be going in the negative space, rather than it's just going to be a piece of packaging or it's just going to be a biscuit tin or it's just going to be that sort of thing. It's it's a, di- a different way of thinking about it, but it's kind of the same same meat, different different gravy basically. Cool, cool. So, um, how do these holsters actually work? Because when I first <laughs> saw them, my thought was I'm going to go running, and the minute I start running, the the pistol's going to go flying. If you, know what <laughs> I mean? you, you, you think about it, it's just two bits of plastic stuck together, yeah, in, basically. In, in a nutshell, you, you sort of, for me at first, alarm bells were ringing. So. Yeah. So, so when I first saw a Kydex holster, back when I'd first started Airsoft, I thought, this is really overpriced, it's crap, why would anyone use that? It will fall out. It's basically, 
it was I'd kind of I'd worked out that they were held together with friction, but I was like I couldn't quite understand how it would work. So I was like, would it it might as well be being held together like if you imagine just kind of holding it in between your two hands. It's kind yeah. of what I thought. And then when I looked into it more, it it's quite amazing how it works really. Pydex is used because it has like a springiness to it basically. It yeah. it can uh, once you've heated it up and it's a thermoplastic so you can heat it up as many times as you want. Um, but once it's cooled it sets in that position. Yeah. So so what happens is basically on for explaining it sake it gets a bit more complicated when you come into torches and stuff like that. But um, for for argument's sake, on a normal, say, like a Glock, providing you've blocked it out properly, there's no hang-up points, the only place it should retain the pistol is in the trigger guard. Right. So the way that works is you have your trigger guard is usually a consistent level the entire thing around the trigger guard. Yeah. Um, the kydex that, that's in, the, in where the trigger is, so, like, inside it, is lower than that outside edge. Right. So as you put the holster in, the trigger guard pushes the kydex outwards, and then as it push as you carry on the holster, uh, carry on pushing the pistol into the holster, the um, the kydex then effectively just snaps into place, um, kind of around the trigger guard. So right. a big misconception is kydex holsters that go into the trigger guard. Admittedly, there should never be a trigger impression on the, the Kydex. It's kind of a bit of a grey area as to if it would ever cause negligent discharge, but I'm yet to really ever see any evidence that that's the point. Mm. Um, obviously, it gets messy with like double action triggers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. it's, it basically snaps into place, is the best way of putting it. Um, it's Because it's an outward movement than an inward movement, there's no kind of lateral movement that would ever pull the trigger, basically. Right. That it should never even really touch the trigger. Uh, there was a really good video of a guy that had, uh, it was a, like a, com- a competition shooting Glock yeah. in a an EDC concealed carry holster, and his uh, his trigger was so light that just the uh, the Kydex touching the trigger caused it to, to fire or to, uh, caused the firing pin to drop. It was kind of, it wasn't. It was basically something that. Um, his fire, his firearms instructor had noticed and heard every time he holstered. They had to keep on re-racking his slide and hadn't put two together. And um, it's kind of it's a mixture between the trigger he was using was wider than the stock trigger it had been moulded for. The holster wasn't amazing. His trigger pull was way too light for that sort of holster. Yeah. Like that, it was kind of lots of a series of unfortunate events basically, which could have caused a negligent just discharging and shot himself in the foot basically. But a big question I do get asked is, why is it not just going to fall out? And the answer is, it's kind of retention within the trigger guard. It does get a bit more confusing when you're talking about torches, because different models retain it in different ways. But the way that I make holsters is, I ha- the way that I, I block it all out is I have adjustable retention. Yeah. So on the other side of the trigger guard, I have a, a, a kind of a screw, a spacer, and then the female part of the screw. Um, so you can the basically the tighter you cinch that screw down, the closer the two pieces of kydex are together. The harder it is for the pistol to come out, and the harder it is 
the harder it is for the pistol to go in, basically. Uh, and then obviously you want to loosen, uh, loosen the retention, you loosen the screw off, so there's kind of more wiggle room. And it's easier for the pistol to be drawn, so if you want to have like a three-gun holster, you loosen it out as much as you can, or as much as you're comfortable, so you can get the holster, the pistol out of the holster as quickly as possible. If you're going on a mill sim and you're climbing up mountains, climbing up hills, you're going to be out in the field for three days, you want it to be a slightly harder to, to pull, just in case it gets snagged. But I'm kind of yet to really be told of any of my holsters kind of failing and the pistol falling out and the or kind of them losing a losing a magazine because of it stuff like that it's there, there's a there's not a slight kind of art to it or a slight skill to doing it but generally speaking it's held in by the trigger guard if it's a bad holster it will get held in like my first holster it will get held in by the trigger guard it will get held in by any sort of any sort of low points in the pistol it will get held in by the ejection port and then when you pull the, every time you draw the pistol there's going to be this huge like threads of kydex that come out with your uh, in your ejection port in your your takedown pins and stuff like that it's kind of you can yeah. normally tell if it, especially if i find with a lot of unique pistols i recently did a um uh, m93r the rafika pistols Right, yeah. um, I made one of those and I ended up making the holster about three times because just it had very it was a really multi-level holster basic uh, pistol so kind of different points of it would snag and then I'd draw the, I'd get the pistol the holster finished I'd draw it out and it would shred Kydex and I'm like okay that's no good chuck it in the bin start again change what I did last time um, I kind of I'm quite a big kind of quite big on not sending something out if I'm not happy with it. Which, I mean, isn't great for lead times and yeah. kind of for time between ordering and getting your holster, but it's, it's getting quicker. Now I'm making less mistakes. But to begin with, it was like a six-week lead time for an average at best holster. Yeah. And it, uh, <laughs> kind of, since then, it's the lead time's gone down to about two or, two or so weeks-ish, depending on what I've got on. And then, uh, and for a holster that is going to be, in my mind, perfect and up to the job, basically. That there shouldn't be anything that you should be able to nitpick with it, really. Cool, cool. Um, needless to say, I think I'm going to be buying one soon for my Desert Eagle. Because um, finding a, a, yeah. a Desert Eagle holster in general is <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, now that, to be fair, the Desert Eagle, the, the, my two biggest, my two biggest holster sales tend to actually be um, Desert Eagles yep. and Mark 23s right. are the two the two biggest holster things because obviously trying to find a holster that will accept the, the Desert Eagle is a pain in the ass, and yeah. um, especially airsoft spec to, uh, Desert Eagles again is horrible and it's sort of it's basically yeah like one of my most popular most popular things I get ordered I get one ordered probably every other week and uh sort of the Mark 23 is that took a that took a lot of iterations that, that I think I'm on like Mark 4 or Mark 5 now at the moment yeah version 4 version 5 and each time I slightly tweak it slightly change something to to get rid of a bug or like an issue that I had with the host before stuff like that and it's it's at a point now where I'm really quite happy with it I'm happy with sending them out and I'm happy with stocking retailers for them and stuff like that it's it's a very odd. Obviously, my main my main 
um, competitor with Mark 23 holsters is the uh, the DTD ones. Yeah. But they're two very, very different products. They're both quite innovative products, but um, they're, they're completely different. Whereas the DTD, you have, you have this weird draw out to the side. and then But then with my holsters, you have quite a high draw up. You have the length of the suppressor and the holster, stuff like that. So it's kind of finding that, that sweet spot of something that anyone can use and it isn't difficult or innovative to use or you don't have to spend hours training and stuff like that to use it whereas or a kind of and then it being really in, uh, really kind of basic and it working but not working as well as it could do is yeah. sort of the, the sweet spot I'm trying to find at the moment I think cool. I'm just about found that's awesome that's awesome it's good to hear things are going so well for you buddy uh, I've certainly learnt a lot about what they actually are and how much <laughs> effort goes into making them over the last hour so yeah, hopefully like, hopefully as well we can get a few more guys coming towards you uh, yes it's, it's kind of that's, always growing yeah I think that's unfortunate about all the time all that we've got time for tonight though but uh, thanks very much for your time coming on the show uh, it's been interesting and as I said to you I think I'm going to be getting one soon for the Desert Eagle awesome um just, I'm getting fed up. I've got one of those universal holsters, and mm. it just pisses me off. It keeps putting the safety on, yeah. so you draw it out in a high stress situation. You're like, it's like fuck, 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 it's not like working. The mag or it, yeah, I don't even. Yeah, and mean, like yeah. You, you try putting it in, and it starts racking the slide. And you're yeah. like, no. So you got to put your thumb on the back of the slide to put it back. Oh, they're, they're a nightmare. Um, <laughs> short of getting a leather one from the states, because I know TM tend to be fairly good with real steel holsters anyway um, yeah I've been running a Phobos for years on my MP9 so yeah. MP9 not MP9 two very different weapons there um, oddly enough I've made holsters for both yeah what was <laughs> it? did you see that one the other day though the company that um, made one for the M4 like they yes. had a whole M4 on the Kydex holster yeah. why <laughs> what so, yes I, I get asked to do those quite a lot and my yeah. answer is always I can make it but it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be great. I could sell you some random crap, but I'm not happy with it. It's like I made yeah. um, something. The big post I made the other day was uh, made a holster for a double bar, uh, like a sawn-off double barrel shotgun. Yeah. And I don't think my phone's been stopped going off since. Yeah, I, made I saw that. That. <laughs> that looked awesome. That looked awesome. Yeah, it was quite. It took quite a lot of thinking. I think I've. I've it was a, a friend's shotgun. I think I've yeah. had it in the workshop for about six months. Just like, <laughs> just back of my mind. Like I'll, I'll deal with it when he wants it, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, th uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me kind of talk your ear off. I can literally talk about holsters. Until no worries, buddy. Yes, uh, like like <laughs> I said, it's 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 an interesting process from the sound of it, and the the amount of time and effort you've been putting into it, I, I can't wait to get hold of one of these things and let people know what they're like firsthand, kind of mm. thing. So, uh, I think we'll wrap the show up there. Uh, where can people get in touch with you? So the best place is uh, there's going to be a few retailers stocking me quite soon. So there's going to be uh, Bespoke Airsoft are going to be kind of one of the big online retailers. I'm doing lots of sort mm. of web exclusives with them. I had a lovely little meeting with James the other day. He's a lovely guy. Um, yeah. Kind of other side of the country, you've got uh, Platoon Stores um, and CO Airsoft, uh, both kind of stockers, retailers. Yep. Huge orders coming in from Platoon. He's, they're kind of really, really going for it with those guys. And I'm kind of meet, meeting and talking with lots of other retailers at the moment. But if you want to talk to me, come to me directly. Um, I'm Kydex Customs UK or just Kydex Customs on Facebook. Um, you can find me, shoot me a message. 
and basically just kind of get the right holster for the right customer basically it's I enjoy having the custom side of things questions for all kinds of random pistols and random hops and other things I enjoy doing it's, cool. uh, that's the best way of getting, getting in contact really I'll drop that link into the description of the show as well so read through and you can find that on there uh, as usual guys you can find me on Facebook, Instagram uh, iTunes subscribe if you're listening on iTunes uh, leave some reviews I always appreciate the feedback as well and if you want to get in touch with me direct you can email me Andy at the chairsoftershow.co.uk. Thank you very much, Take, and I'll see everyone next time. Take care, take your hits, look after each other, and see you on the next episode of the Chairsofter Show. Bye for now.